0: Hi, and welcome to episode two of The Queers Are Watching. I'm Hannah, and that's Sarah over there. That's, hey! Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and this episode, we're going to be talking about the film Drifting Flowers. All right, so as usual, I have a plot summary for you. I'm just going to read
1: you all what's on IMDb, because that's what we do. It's a better um, descriptor than I am. <laughs> so it says, Teddy Award-winning director Sarah Chow also of spider lilies, weaves three poetic tales as the lesbians and drifting flowers seek their true identity. In the first story, Jing, a blind singer, falls in love with her band's tomboy accordionist Diego. In another time and place, Lily, an elderly lesbian, and Yen, her gay friend, create an unexpected bond and support each other in a time of crisis. Finally, we see Diego before she joined the band, when as a teenager she came to grips with her gender identity. This movie was made in two thousand and eight, and it has it has a fifty percent, fifty eight percent audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's not that good.
0: (laughs) What's the critic score on that?
1: There is no critic score. Oh, it just says audience score. That's kind of weird. Um, And then it only has a six point six out of ten on IMDb. So, honestly, I think people don't really get this movie because I think it was
0: better than that. So. I would agree with that, yeah. I'm feeling sad for it now, staring at these scores. (laughs) (laughs) And even just reading reviews, both from just random people that watched it and, like, critics, people didn't seem to understand what was going on, which is sad. (laughs) Uh, We should also probably mention that the film is, it takes place in Taiwan, and it is in Chinese. Um, So we watched the English sub version.
1: Yeah, I don't know Mandarin. Yeah, so... (laughs) Okay, so we read a review by someone on Variety, and I know we're kind of telling you about the reviews before we're really talking about the movie, so if you haven't seen this movie, this podcast might suck for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, full disclosure, I've seen this movie before, and it was for a class, and... It's kind of it's it's not like the same kind of movie that we reviewed last week. Like last week it was like a fun, like kinda I don't know how I would describe that. Like a, That's like a Hollywood movie. Yeah. It, like had a big theater release. This is more in the like the film vein <laughs> per se.
1: Yeah, it's something I really feel like you would watch if you
0: were a film major or if you're a gender studies major. Um so I enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I really liked it. That's why I wanted to watch it for the podcast, because I think there's really interesting things to talk about.
1: In the review we read on Variety, it's by some guy named Derek Ellie, who I googled, by the way, and apparently he's, like, a big deal. He does a ton of movie reviews. Um, He no longer works for Variety, I saw that, but he is very popular amongst movie critics. Um, He kind of seemed... A little bit like a misogynist to me. Uh, He didn't really get the movie. I felt like he wasn't paying attention. He said he couldn't connect the stories to one another because they're sort of told like out of order. Um, He really struggled there. He was just like, oh, it felt like the middle story about Lily and Yen didn't fit. And it felt like, I think he said, like an unnecessary break or something like
0: that. Yeah, which it wasn't. (laughs) He just... He clearly wasn't paying attention if he thought that it was... Because he called it an unconnected story. But the whole point of the film is that the stories are connected. So he's wrong, first of all. Um, Yeah.
1: He also clearly doesn't understand, like, queer women or maybe, like, Taiwanese queer women. I'm not really sure. He mentions... Somewhere in the article, the um, the character Diego was like uh confused. He says, as the teenager rebel secretly binds her breasts in sexual confusion and finally yields to the advances of a pretty showgirl one rainy night. So for me, it wasn't like sexual confusion because Diego was confused about her sexuality at some point and about her gender identity. He wasn't like being empathetic with the way he phrased that it was more like she was confused so I was annoyed basically like he was thinking of it like either you're this or you're that and you're not telling me which really bothered me
0: yeah and I think what we'll end up talking about a lot is kind of the differences between like our kind of western understanding of gender and sexuality versus the understandings in asian cultures um which are often there there's fewer words for sexuality and gender and i think it it is a very western perspective of this reviewer to be like i need you to tell me what you are <laughs> immediately and you're not allowed to be confused and you're not allowed to be more than one thing at a time um because that's kind of the vibe that i got from it like
1: Yeah, so maybe, like, it was a little of a transphobic vibe that I was getting. More than, like, a homophobic vibe, possibly. I don't know. And then, like, for me, I kind of felt like, am I looking at this film through an American lens by trying to be like, well, I'm also trying to figure out who or what or how Diego is in this world. And Diego was confused himself. So I was a little lost, but I wasn't, like, as condescending as this (laughs) asshole.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean... One of my big questions that I had when I first saw this film is, is Diego trans? And I think ultimately from the stuff, the the very little that I've read about, like, Taiwanese understandings of gender, like, we can't answer that question because it's kind of an American question. Like, to, to be like, is Diego trans? Is Diego a lesbian? Is Diego a butch lesbian? Like, there's not really equivalent language there's other language but there's not equivalent language so I think it's kind of fruitless to keep asking that question but I think we're gonna ask it anyway just because <laughs> we watched this film and we were like what's the deal with Diego I think it's fair it's a fair question to ask because we did do a little research
1: like we were not going into this blind um into gender and sexual identity in Taiwan and Currently, like, in... Like, this movie was made in 2008. Like, currently, there are now trans people in Taiwan that I guess, like, are not famous, but well-noted for being trans, I think. Their stories were very public. Um, And they're trans in this Western ideal of being trans. Like, where you transition and you're considered a trans person. But they both ended up killing themselves, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. So... Um, that's not good, Um, and I don't know if that was because, like, Western ideals of gender don't belong there, or, I mean, it kind of seemed like the reasons for them killing themselves were more like, I am trying to fit this mold of man or woman, and I can fit, I can neither fit in there, um, because I don't appear as what people think equals man or woman, or because I don't quite understand my gender, even after I've transitioned. So I think there may be little to no space for non-gender binary people in Taiwanese culture. Um, And I don't think that like forcing them, forcing that upon Taiwanese culture is good because it's not really helping anybody as we can see. Yeah. (laughs) So I I think that's a fair question to ask as things become more westernized, whether we want them to be or not. Okay.
0: So let's talk about the scene in the truck at the end of the movie because (laughs) this is where most of my questions came from because as a western viewer watching this film especially diego's segment the last segment i guess i was i was picking up on things that belong in the kind of more stereotypical trans narrative like the breast binding and being you know, when her mom gives her a bra and is like put this on, she puts it on and she's like horrified and disgusted by her breasts looking large and it like that just to me was like, oh, this is a trans character or a non non-binary character. This character does not identify with being a woman or a girl. Um those were just the signals that I was getting.
1: I was feeling the same way until the truck scene, Mm -hmm. because then she was, like, asking that other girl, like, hey, what do you think that I am? And she was like, well, you're a girl, of course, but was it because that girl wanted to fuck another girl?
0: Yeah, it just, because I think something that this film really brings up is the idea of how people's sexual orientations are so linked to the gender identity and expression of the people that they're attracted to. So it does bring up this interesting question of, like, is the, the question of, like, is Diego trans or non-binary? That's so linked to the question of, well, is Lily a lesbian? Is Lily bisexual? Is Lily just queer? And I just think it's really interesting that up until that scene, I was like, oh, no, Diego's definitely non-binary.
1: That's a good point about Lily. Like, I hadn't thought about it that way. Like, that kind of makes me feel... Like, they're using Diego's story to tie up Lily's story. To be like, let's clarify some things about Lily's sexuality. Mm -hmm. By saying, like, oh no, like, she's definitely a lesbian. She was always a lesbian. Like, let's clarify that. But it does. I don't think it does any justice to Diego's story. Because I do feel like Diego exists somewhere in between all of those things.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Diego says in that scene, I don't like the way I am... I don't want to be a boy either. Um, And Lily says, you're a girl who doesn't like her body. And that's kind of accepted by Diego in the scene. Like, Diego isn't like, oh, no. (laughs) Diego's like, let's make out.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And I'm not, see, that's the thing is, like, without knowing the, the writer's intent or the director's intent, it's hard to say what that scene is supposed to mean. Is that scene supposed to mean, like, this girl came in, and because of her sexual desire for Diego, she eschewed Diego's own feelings about her gender? Or is it? Is it really as simple as it seems? Like, Diego's like, oh yeah, maybe I am a girl who doesn't like her body.
1: I think maybe at the time, it might have been as simple as it seemed. Like, because you know, like when you're a young queer person, and you're struggling with your identity, like... It's not that easy to just say, like, hey, I'm this or I'm that. So I think that maybe that was, like, young Diego being like, okay, I have an answer. And I get to make out with a pretty girl because I have that answer.
0: Yeah, that does seem like a young person kind of (laughs) mind frame. (laughs) Like, maybe Diego changed. Also,
1: like, when we see Diego be older in the entirety of the film, because you see several portions of Diego um Diego presents like as a man yeah so but I've also read that like in Taiwanese culture like sometimes women that like other women will do that and the women dating them will consider themselves heterosexual because they're dating like a tomboy or a butch lesbian but those people still don't consider themselves men
0: yeah (laughs) I was reading that and thinking So one of the things that signaled to me that maybe Diego was cis was that she's referred to with she, her pronouns throughout the film. But again, that's like another thing that it's not necessarily going to be in the film in a Western lens because I don't, I actually don't know how pronouns work in other cultures very much. I don't either. So, so who knows if that's (laughs) a thing or if that's not a thing histories, mysteries. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should probably do a little more research on that. (laughs) Yeah. We can only speak for what we know. (laughs) I tried, I tried to find stuff on that, but nothing, nothing really came up as far as language and pronoun usage or anything like that. Um, the stuff that was, that I found was basically like you said of like, often in Taiwanese culture, there's a, a butch person in the relationship and a femme person in the relationship and the femme person might consider herself to be straight because the person that she's with is presenting in a very masculine way so i i did see that too
1: i have questions about that because i know in um like southeast asian countries like that um can often result but it's usually like an effect of colonization Mm -hmm. so it's like someone has to be the boy and someone has to be the girl um that happens a lot in the philippines in india um and like they do have third genders in the philippines and in india but they're indigenous genders so they were before colonization um so i want to know like a little bit about that like does anyone know write into
0: us yes if you know about taiwanese gender let us know (laughs) we want to know these things I'm interested in the way, though, that this film is labeled as a lesbian film, because I see that so much in the reviews, especially. And I don't know that I would call it a lesbian film. There's definitely lesbian main characters. Um, But because Diego is such a central part of the film itself, I'm like, don't know if Diego's a lesbian, so I don't know if we can call it a lesbian film. (laughs) I don't know.
1: I think we can call it a film about... Gender and sexuality. That's, That's, yeah. That's what I would like to call it. Yeah. So when we're looking at Lily's story, which is the middle story of the three, she clearly has Alzheimer's or dementia or something. And Yen is taking care of her. And Yen is the guy who married her, who is her like big old gay lesbian beard. (laughs) (laughs) So he keeps having to tell people like he's her husband, even though they're not together because he's a gay man and she's a lesbian woman because he has to take care of her. And she keeps thinking that he is Ocean, who is her lesbian lover, um, which was revealed, like, early on when they were younger. Um, And I'm wondering, like, because he tells her, like, oh, I'm not Ocean, like, when he gets mad at her and he's like, Ocean left, everybody leaves. And I am wondering, like, if he meant, like, maybe it's a bad translation for us, or if he's being vague on purpose because he's so salty. Um, Because he has HIV, and he's, like, really struggling, and, like, people are telling him, like, take your meds, like, keep living, and he's like, no, I don't want to take my meds and keep living, like, this is terrible. And I think maybe he's angry, so he's lashing out at her. I'm unclear if Ocean is dead, or if Ocean left her. Like, literally, like abandoned her.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think the film doesn't really tell us that. I, I'm inclined to say that she died, and it's mostly because of the black and white portrait that she hung of her in her room. Like, to me, that's something someone would do if their spouse died, mm-hmm. not if their spouse left them. Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> unless they were, like, super unhinged, which I get the feeling that she maybe kind of descended into Alzheimer's after Ocean died or left or whatever. So mm-hmm. I I wouldn't think that she would have just been like, let's put this giant black and white portrait up. Although, I don't know. Maybe she should put that up <laughs> later. Who I knows? mean, maybe. I feel that's like the story. I mean, obviously
1: I feel for all of the people in the film, but that is a story that I felt the most sad about because it's just so sad to see someone... Like, she lived her whole life in the closet and she was so afraid of being found out for being gay that her only memories that were coming back to her as a person who struggles with memory loss were those of being afraid like it's very often that she's like telling when she thinks that yen is ocean like don't tell people that you're married to me because they're gonna find out that we're gay together or my father can't find out that we're gay together like those are the only things she remembers like that's very sad
0: And her focus is very much on how Yen, who she thinks is Ocean, is presenting himself. Like, she's very, like, oh, you can't, you can't wear that out in public because people will know that you're a butch and Mm -hmm. that's not okay. Like, you have to wear a dress and act really femme, which then Yen is really sweet and does, kind (laughs) of to humor her or whatever. Um, Poor Yen. Yeah. He was having a rough time. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah, it's, it's like, trigger word, there's some bashing happening in yeah. this film. That was really sad, too. It was. There was just a lot of sadness in that story. That doesn't give me much hope for being an old queer person, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Not that I am afraid to live out of the closet right now. Like, I'm very open with my sexuality. I mean, we have a whole podcast outing me here, so. <laughs> but I that doesn't make me feel good about like what if I get dementia and the only things I remember are like shitty feelings of being queer and not like the good things that I enjoy about being queer.
0: Yeah, it's it's just it's really sad, um, and I think the message that the that the film leaves us with is like, queer people have each other, and that's the that's what's gonna save you in the end because I think the ending of their story of that segment is pretty lighthearted and positive when they're like sitting at the train station together and it seems like they can find belonging with each other and I also think it's really nice that there's a couple of people that are finding belonging with each other not in a sexual way because I feel like that's usually what happens in films with queer characters is that They find belonging with each other and fuck each other. And that's, and that's like, then it, then it becomes like, oh, that's the point of being queer. And that's, that's the only way that you can find kinship with other queer people is if you fuck them, which.
1: That's such a straight person thing though. Yeah. (laughs) You can't be friends with somebody who could be a potential partner because you'll end up fucking them. Mm -hmm. Like that's very, what is that movie? When Harry Met Sally? I think that's what it is. Have you ever seen that movie?
0: I haven't. Because you know I, like, don't watch... Don't watch it. I don't watch rom-coms. Like, I just don't do
1: Terribly. Billy Crystal and... What is her name? I think it's Meg Ryan. I can't remember her name. Oh. I know. But he, like, tells her, like, men and women can't be friends because they'll always want to fuck each other. And it's gonna be one or the other and someone's gonna get hurt. And, like, ultimately they end up together. So... Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> glad i like i'm pretty sure that's how that movie ends
0: (laughs) well i mean to be fair um yen and lily aren't they wouldn't be potentially attracted to each other um from what we know about them we're we're pretty sure that yen's gay and lily's a lesbian so we're pretty sure that they wouldn't be attracted to each other but nevertheless it's nice to see like a queer friendship that's about friendship and support and not about like Let's make out now um, because that's how we feel like we belong. Which I feel like is maybe what happened at the end of the film <laughs> with Lily and Diego.
1: I think it's it's okay to have one. I think that's maybe why I feel better about it because there's different stories. And one of the stories is that sometimes you end up falling in love with someone and they help you through life. And then other times like that doesn't last or work out. And ultimately, like, what you have left or the people you've surrounded yourself with. Um, I think for queer people, like, chosen family is such a huge, huge thing. And I think it's something that maybe heterosexual people don't often experience. And, like, sucks to suck. like Because <laughs> I feel like my queer family, like, I, they're going to be around forever. Like, I don't feel pressure to date them. And I feel like they're a really good support system.
0: Of all gender varieties. And by they, you mean me. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: I have many other friends, Hannah.
0: (laughs) No, this is the first I'm hearing of this. I know, it's such a shocker. (laughs) I'm so offended.
1: All of our mutual friends are listening to this right now. Like, these motherfuckers think that we are
0: not friends. (laughs) No, we have lots of queer family, but, like... (laughs) No, but I agree. Like, when I think of my family, I think of, like, my parents, because I am lucky enough to feel, you know, supported and close to my parents. Um... But then, you know, I don't think of, like, my aunts and uncles and my, I you know, like, it, they're probably not going to be the people that I think of as my family. Like, I think of then Sarah and some of our other friends, so.
1: oh <laughs> We're holding hands right now.
0: You can't, you can't see it. You can't see, but we, we love each other so much. We really do. <laughs> this is why we're doing this podcast together. Aww.
1: I would say same, though. But, like, my parents are not really supportive of me, and, like, we're still kind of working on our relationship so when I think of family like yeah I kind of think of them I think of my cousins because my cousins are super supportive and then I think of like all of my friends on the same level as like my familial cousins so
0: oh I just love my friends so much I know (laughs) I feel really bad for straight people that don't experience this (laughs) that really sucks It's true. Like, imagine, like, the only people that you have to turn to are people that are blood-related to you. That sounds like a nightmare. And we're not, like, to be clear, we're not saying, like, straight people don't have friends. Like,
1: obviously they do, but I feel like, especially with my straight friends, there is, like, a, a limit on, like, how much we interact or how much they really understand, like, what I'm going through or even, like, how close they allow themselves to be to other people, especially straight women with queer women, or straight men with queer women. I feel like anytime I'm friends with a straight man, like, he is, like, has an ulterior motive. And I feel like a lot of times straight women, like, I'm a really, like, affectionate person with my friends, and, like, they choose not to be affectionate with me because they're like, oh no, what if Sarah develops feelings for me? Um, So I feel like there is that block there.
0: Yeah, I I definitely feel that because until I met you, and I'll just say Tyler too, because Tyler, Tyler, Tyler's definitely <laughs> listening to this. Um, <laughs> until I met you guys, I feel like I didn't really experience like full friendship, because everyone that I was friends with, especially in high school, like there was there was always a little bit of a a wall there. Like there was no platonic cuddling, mm. which is like. That's, platonic cuddling is so great and so necessary. (laughs) It so is. Um, so, I don't, yeah, there's just always kind of like a, oh, like, I'm cool with you being queer, but I don't like you that way, and I'm gonna constantly make sure that everyone knows that. (laughs) Yeah, no matter how many times you tell someone, like, you're not my type, they
1: still are a little bit afraid that you're going to like them or something. Which is strange because I know a lot of straight women who will befriend straight men and, like, maybe, like, be touchy with them or flirtatious with them even if they don't intend to, like, have anything happen with them. Like, they're not afraid of them liking them. They don't like it, but, like, they're not, like, afraid of it the way I think some straight women are of queer women liking them.
0: And I think maybe that's not an entirely, I don't, I don't think these people are like malicious or anything. No, no, I think, no. And I think a lot of times maybe they're like fr- afraid of a queer woman liking them because they're like afraid that that's going to really hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to think that maybe they're, they're trying to be cognizant of how we feel. Um, I would like to think that. I don't know if that's I think true. that. I mean, that- <laughs> I like to think that. Um, I'm like a The straight people I have in
1: my life right now, I wouldn't describe them this way. I think I've cut a lot of straight people that have made me feel that way. So if you're my friend and you're straight and you're listening right now, (laughs) I don't feel that way about you. Like, there's a reason why I have you in my life at this point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've I've cut most people that were like that, too. Because we don't have time for that.
1: No, I don't. The older I get, the less time I have for bullshit, so. For straight nonsense. (laughs) For straight nonsense.
0: (laughs) Okay, so... When I saw this movie in class, one of the big questions that was asked by both the professor and other people in the class was, What's with the train stuff in this movie? Um, Like, what does the train mean? And I'm not sure that there's a definitive answer to this. Like, I'm sure that the director knows, but I don't know that I know for sure. I have some theories, but. (laughs) Share with us your theories. It's so hard to verbalize these theories. I mean, obviously, the, the film plays with time a lot. And that's one of the things in reviews that people were complaining about because they didn't understand why, if you look at the ages of the characters in each of the vignettes, it's it doesn't really match up. They're like, how can this person be this old and this one and this young and this one and the time doesn't work? And I think to that, I would say queer temporality, which is a thing. <laughs> And I think that the train might have something to do with that. I also read in an article, this is not my own original idea, but I read an article that the train is about the way that people with Alzheimer's kind of maintain their memories. Like in the film itself, when the train is moving, there's like periods where it goes in tunnels and then emerges from the tunnels. Basically the person who came up with this theory, whose name I don't have because i'm (laughs) terrible and i'm not giving them credit for their idea um i think they were saying like there's periods of lucidness and then periods of not so lucidness and that the train moving in and out of the tunnels has something to do with that there's and i think what supports that theory is there's a scene where yen is standing by the train tracks and he Like the train goes by and then he kind of has like a flashback to finding out that his that his partner was cheating on him and that his partner was seeing this other guy and basically wanted to be with him instead of Yen. So it seemed like trains and memories are linked (laughs) somehow. What are your theories? Do you have any?
1: Um, like I had a few. But now I'm kind of blanking. But that's what you're saying reminded me of... There was some, like, scientific study fairly recently that said that the way you remember things is based on, like, spatial awareness. So, like, let's say you have... You're thinking about something, and you're kind of distracted. You walk into another room. You lose a thought. It's because your brain's trying to process walking into a new space. So, like, for me, the tunnels are a good representation of that. Like, sometimes you'll be able to remember things if you walk back into the space where you were thinking about it originally, and then once you're past that, you won't remember it again. Um, There's a lot of tunnels in the train scene, and I think, for me, the train was really representative of, like, moving forward, like, regardless of what's going on in anybody's life. Um, That's pretty much, for me, like, why they were all on the train together, because they were all moving forward in queerness together.
0: <laughs> I did I did make a joke when we were watching it like all aboard the queer train or something because they were all on there together. Yeah.
1: Oh, another thing that I wanted to mention is I was looking because we watched this film somewhere else but I wanted to look on Netflix to see if it was on there first and I found that you can order it on Netflix but it wasn't like streaming. So I was looking at reviews and stuff that people had left after renting the film and they were really bad. Like, I mean, a lot of people really didn't understand it. So they were lost. Some people were saying it was too slow, which I can understand, but I don't agree. And a lot, a lot of people were saying, I feel like if I'm going to watch a movie about lesbians, I want to see them have sex. And I'm thinking, is that all lesbians are to you? Like this pornified version of women who have sex with other women? Um, people were real upset. There was at least three reviews out of, like, ten. Like, there weren't very many reviews that said this film was really missing a sex scene. That was, like, upsetting to me. That a story about a blind singer, a person coming to terms with their gender, and an old lady with Alzheimer's (laughs) had to have sex in it for you to enjoy it. Um... It really, like, makes queer people seem, or queer women in particular, seem one-dimensional. Like, from that, like, cis heterosexual standpoint, I was not thinking about that at all until those people said that. And I'm like, ooh.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like, people were saying, oh, it's too serious. And I'm like, what did you, (laughs) what did you want from those stories? Like, they are serious stories. They wanted a rom-com,
1: I think, is what they wanted. Which, there are gay rom-coms. Go watch them. Um, <laughs> Imagine Me and You is my favorite gay rom-com, by the way. It's a lesbian rom-com. We could watch that and review that for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe we will, because I've never seen that. Oh I've my heard, god, it's so cute. I've heard a lot about it, but I never watched it, because I'm, like, like, I'm very guarded about rom-coms, because they upset me, like, it, 95% it, of the time.
1: It'll upset you, because oh. the whole thing is, like, she leaves her husband for a woman. So that, that old thing, basically. And it's not really... I don't think it's mentioned that she's a lesbian. I think it's just like, figure it out so she could be one of those devious, cheating bisexuals. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think... I think after The Kids Are Alright, I was just like, I'm done with these kinds of movies. That's much worse. I can't deal with them. <laughs> yeah, I wrote a whole paper on how that movie was the worst of all time. <laughs> Sorry, anyone listening, if you like this movie, but also like... <laughs> Think about it a little longer. Just, <laughs> just really just really sit there and be like, hmm, what does this mean? I,
1: I love that Hannah's putting all of our viewers on timeout. Like, go to the corner and think about what
0: you like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think we all need to do that. We all need to go in the corner sometimes and be like, why do I like this? It's so true. Yeah. Ugh. I've sent myself to the corner many times. Same. So... But, you know, you can still come back from the corner and
1: enjoy what you've thought about, just to be clear.
0: Yeah, maybe you're like, I just really like Julianne Moore, and I will watch anything with her in it. That's And Mark Ruffalo, isn't that who the
1: guy is? I think. I'm pretty sure it's Mark Ruffalo. He has a
0: motorcycle, so. That's
1: not what I asked. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to literally
0: Google Mark Ruffalo to see if he's in that movie. I was just telling you what I remember. Okay. There's, like, a garden.
1: Yeah. and There's, They're building, like, a house or a garden or something.
0: Oh, yeah, they're, like, re-landscaping. That's yeah, what that's doing. what it is. Because she has a landscaping thing that she's trying to do.
1: Yeah, it's totally him. <laughs> I have to, I have to obsessively Google, so I had to know.
0: <laughs> well, now we know that it's Mark Ruffalo.
1: I mean, I'll watch anything with Mark Ruffalo in it, to be honest.
0: I think he's really cute. He was so good in Zodiac.
1: I love that movie. Me too.
0: But, yeah. But that's not...
1: That's not in the line with what we're trying to talk about here.
0: Are you sure? Are we, are you sure we can't just watch Zodiac and try to find queer characters? I mean, like... we can analyze it for <laughs> queer theory, but that's not the same
1: thing as finding a queer character. <laughs>
0: oh, what a let's, shame. Let's
1: not make serial killers all queer. Let's not do that. We have enough of that.
0: There's people in the movie besides serial killers. <laughs> Cops. Oh. We don't want them either. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm going to pass on them. Sorry, y'all.
0: Oh, last time we outed ourselves as communists, and this time we've outed ourselves as, I
1: Anti-establishment don't know.
0: zero police? <laughs> yeah. So we thought we would try something a little different, because we're still kind of exploring and experimenting with uh, what kind of format this podcast is in, because <laughs> last time we just talked... A- Forever about the one movie, and then it kind of devolved at the end, um, which is probably what's gonna happen every single time. I mean that's kind of who we are. <laughs> yeah, we just devolve constantly. <laughs> so we thought we would talk about Shadowhunters, <laughs> the show, the TV show, which is on Freeform. If you haven't watched it, please watch it. Like warning, it's super cheesy, but
1: I do love it.
0: Yeah, like. It's not a it's not a serious show. We're totally switching gears now, um, <laughs> into just like this show. Let's be real; it's aimed at teenagers, mm-hmm. um, and it's on Freeform. <laughs> uh, not that Freeform hasn't made some good shows, but they're all they're all Freeform shows. They're all aimed at teenagers, is what we're trying to say. Yeah,
1: um, and when you're pushing thirty, that's not exactly. We're not the target demographic. Well, I'm not. Hannah's a lot younger
0: than me. I'm not a lot younger than you. Well, I'm 29. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's not it's not the most serious show. The acting is hit or miss, which I think has to do with the direction. Yeah. Like there's some wild direction going on. Like they're like, stand over here. now turn your face dramatically the other way and say your lines in a stilted manner. Um, <laughs> I kind of, I don't know. Like now, I think in the beginning I was like, this is bad
1: acting. But like now I'm like, no, that's just how Alec is. Or that's just how Izzy is or Chase." Like, I don't know. They're all, I'm like, that's pers- built into their personality.
0: It's fine. I guess. I think you're, I think you're trying to like give the show more credit. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. So anyway, what you need to know about this show is that it's based on, A book series called The Mortal Instruments by Cassandra Clare. That we've read all of. Yes. (laughs) And that, too, is not the best. (laughs) Um, I think it's way more enjoyable than the show, to be honest. I think they're both... For me, they're both equally enjoyable, but in different ways. Okay. They're just very different for me. They Um, are very different, yeah. Like, the show completely doesn't follow the book anymore. Um, There's stuff happening... Way earlier in the show than it happened in the book series, It's there's stuff that never happened in the book series. Yeah. But that makes it enjoyable if you've read the book series. You're not just watching it unfold on screen. It, there's, there's plot twists and different stuff going on.
1: It does keep you interested. But speaking of things that didn't happen in the books, that only happened in the TV show, one of the characters, who is a vampire, his name is Rafael Santiago... I didn't really like him so much in the books until a little bit later in the TV show. I love him. I love every second of him and he is a canon out asexual character and they have like him and Izzy have like a a good like talk about it and he like explains it to her and it's not problematic and it's not awful and it's very sweet the friendship that they form. And I think even now, like, I haven't seen the season finale of two yet. I'm a little bit behind. But I think even now there's, like, forming some sort of connection again. And so I kind of love that. And I love that it shows, like, varieties of asexual people
0: through Raphael. Such a good character. I love him. He's my sweet summer child. Also, I think it's interesting that most TV shows that I've seen where there's a queer vampire, they're by. Because vampires are like, they're, yeah, they're hypersexual. They're just like, oh, fuck anything. <laughs> um, so it's it, it's interesting. It's a reversal, I think, to have him be ace and have that just be like, and we find that out far after we meet his character on the show, which I also like. It's not like, yeah. hello, this is an asexual character from the very beginning. Like, yeah, it's not his storyline. His storyline is very complex. Um, I mean, complex, I for yeah. <laughs> complex for Shadowhunter.
1: Complex for Shadowhunter. He's also, like, not a main cast member. hmm So it's it's good that he has, like, some backstory and stuff. There's so much good representation on this show, though. I'm going to be real with you. Um, Magnus Vane is a very powerful warlock, and he is in love with another Shadowhunter, who is a main cast member. And he is bisexual. I don't remember if they say that explicitly on the show.
0: I don't think they say it on the show. They do explicitly say it in the books yeah. at one point. He's um, a freewheeling bisexual, as he says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's... And it's interesting because he does... Like, his bisexuality does fall into a bunch of tropes in the books and a little bit on the show, but I don't even care because he's <laughs> so wonderful and amazing and I love him. <laughs> He's a true hero, and I love him. Like, what can we even say about him that's not just, like, just pure praise?
1: I don't know. (laughs) Like, he's biracial. He's a few centuries old. He has, like, mystery, but he's also very honest. I don't know. He's perfect. I love him.
0: Yeah, I think what I really like is that one of the tropes it doesn't fall into, he's never, like... He's never, like, keeping secrets or, like, being, like, sneaky. Like, he's just... He's just there. Mm-hmm. And he's being helpful. And...
1: He's so helpful.
0: But he's also really sassy, which I love. He doesn't take shit from nobody. <laughs> and I love his
1: boyfriend, Alec. Um, I think in the books it took me a while to warm up to Alec because he hated the main character that you're supposed to, like, sympathize with and see the shadow hunter world through her eyes, who is Clary. Um, he hates her in the beginning. So it takes a long time for me to be like, Alec, stop being a little crybaby. Um, but in the TV show, I love him. Like he, he's a little bit like brash. He's a little bit, he's like strangely cautious for someone who just kind of lashes out like emotionally. <laughs> Cause he's trying to suppress so much. Poor sweet child. Um, and I love his relationship with Magnus, so he is, like, and a lot of his story does revolve around him coming out as a gay man, but it's in an oppressive society that he is coming out. So I guess maybe, like, that, that's a little bit better. Like,
0: shockingly even more repressive of a society than we are living in. (laughs) Yeah, apparently shadow hunters are real homophobic, so,
1: yeah. But I'm real proud of him for coming out and stuff, and not getting
0: married to some girl just to get married to her he almost did
1: yeah but, but then there was like a big scene
0: <laughs> and a kiss it
1: was so cute oh yeah that's another thing i love about the show there's so many on-screen kisses between them so many
0: like probably more than there are between oh uh, i don't know actually I-, I
1: saw someone on tumblr who like mapped it out there are more malik kisses like magnus and alec that's their ship name then there are clay's k- kisses which is clary and jace which are like the main straight couple that you're supposed to be rooting for kind of it's complicated <laughs> their love
0: is forbidden too but in a different way <laughs> they know that it's not forbidden anymore they're fine <laughs> yeah so if you like like fantasy stuff but it's not it's not high fantasy it's modern fantasy yeah What's that called? Urban fantasy. There we go. I can't believe I forgot that. (laughs) Um, If you like that kind of thing and you like bisexual characters and asexual characters Mm -hmm. and gay characters.
1: And Latinx people and Jewish vampires, um, then you'll like the show.
0: Like, even if you kind of hate it, you'll also love it. (laughs) Join us. Yes, please. Join us in our dumpster. Um, Oh, if you like... um, really hot werewolves. I mean, that's cool too. One, one thing I will say about the show, um, don't judge it by its, um, credit sequence, like the title sequence. Um, (laughs) the title sequence is awful. Like you'll laugh when you watch it. Um, but just, just hold out for the, for the good stuff.
1: I really think what's gonna make you stay and watch the show is that you're gonna see, isaiah mustafa's ass and it's amazing <laughs> yeah that's like in one of the first scenes right like <laughs> yeah he's not like naked yet i think he is naked at some point later um but his butt is amazing
0: it's it's so it's it's beautiful it, yeah
1: it's sh- there should be monuments erected to it <laughs> <laughs> he's a beautiful man
0: so he plays like an adult on the show though so he's not like one of the kids so you kind of feel weird about sexualizing him so much cuz you're supposed to like identify with the main characters and he's kind of like a father figure to yeah. one of the main characters. So then you're but... like daddy. Daddy. <laughs> um yeah. I love him so much. But all all the all the characters on the show are really ridiculously beautiful. Um
1: oh, I know. Like
0: as non-monosexuals, it's it's a lot. It's to so take much. In. I feel like
1: my eyeballs are being sexually assaulted every <laughs> time I watch the show. Like Catherine Mcnamara, uh, Dominic Sherwood, Alberto Resende, Matthew D'Addario. Oh my God, oh, Matthew
0: D'Addario. Um,
1: Emra Tobia. Oh, I love her so much. Um, Harry Shum Jr., Alicia Wainwright, Maya. They're they're just all beautiful. They are really really beautiful. So if you're into beautiful people, is what I'm trying to say. And they're not teenagers, so you don't feel bad about like being attracted to them or anything. <laughs> I know that, like, after Spider-Man Homecoming came out, there was, like, a really high search on Google for, like, how old is the actor who plays him? I can't remember his name right now. I'm like, yikes. But he is not a teenager, so that made some people feel good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think I referred to the people on, the main characters on Shadowhunters as teenagers, which is not true. I just get confused because they are teenagers in the books for most of it. So then I kind of, like, still think of them as teenagers, but not really. I don't know. They're young adults. Yeah.
1: Early 20s is what they're supposed to be. And the cast, they really, really like each other. They have a good time together. They are really funny on social media, so if you want to follow them, they're hilarious. Um, I love the bromance between Dominic and Matthew. It's so hilarious. And, like, in the show, there's something called Parabatai, which is, like, they're supposed to be, like, connected... Um, fighting together and like, kind of like best friends, but also kind of like, I can't describe it.
0: It's like if you, if there was a ceremony to like, say you're my best friend for life forever and all time Yeah. and I'll protect you and die for you. Like if we did that <laughs> for like our best friends, that's basically what it is. Yeah.
1: And you get like a, a ruin, which looks like a tattoo, but it's like a magical angelic connection between you two. So, yeah, they're Brumens in real life. I think they're really Parabatai in real life.
0: <laughs> Sarah and I always joke that we're Parabatai, too. We
1: are. Um, and if the Parabatai rune wasn't that ugly, I would say, let's get it. But I don't really like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not the prettiest thing. Also, I don't know if I would get a shadow hunter tattoo. It's true. I would for sure get a Supernatural tattoo. I mean, we should do that together. Um, <laughs> That'll be our Parabatai ruin. I want to wait till the show's over so that I know how much it's going to upset me in the end. Because, like, if they do something Such stupid, then I won't get the, the supernatural tattoo. I agree. And by do something stupid, I mean not have Dean come out as bisexual.
1: Yeah. Don't queerbait me until the end of time. That's rude. Like,
0: I, I've always said, like, if it turns out that they weren't queerbaiting, if it turns out that the whole time they were intending for this to happen and it happens, I will forgive them for all the pain yeah. and suffering that they put me through.
1: I will forgive them... If they just make clear that Dean is bi, he doesn't have to end up with Cass, even though that's my ideal. Like, if he just comes out as bi, and it's not like a coming out episode, like it's just casual,
0: then I will forgive everything the Supernatural writers have ever done to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's for another episode. Um, Or like a series of five episodes, let's be real. Because we could talk about this for four hours. I know. And still have more to say. And we have done that before. So... That's what we do outside of podcasting. Yeah. So maybe we'll do it for you at some point, um, so you can hear how unhinged we sound. Um, and we don't even mind.
1: Like that picture of Charlie Day on It's Always Sunny. With
0: yeah. With like... With his little, like, red strings up on the wall connecting a million pieces of paper. That's what we sound like. And we're okay with that.
1: Yeah, I'm okay with that. I've accepted that within myself. Mm-hmm.
0: is join us to fangirl. Yeah. This is just who we are. And we hope it's who you are too. Because otherwise you're not going to enjoy this. You you gotta get on our level.
1: We want you to to be as
0: wild as we are. So once again, this has devolved (laughs) into us talking about Supernatural, which is what happened last time. Oh my god. Uh, It's almost like everything we talk about ends up being about Supernatural. What are you saying about... We haven't been to multiple conventions. (laughs) We don't have all kinds of merchandise all throughout our houses. How dare you out me like this? (laughs) We're the worst. Um, And the best. That's right. Thank you very much for listening to our second episode. We don't know when we'll have another one, but we will let you know. I don't know how we'll let you know, but we will. Probably on Tumblr, Facebook, etc. We should make a Twitter or something. Yeah, I think we'll do that. So we'll keep you updated on that situation. Um, oh, also we're being featured on Talk Radio. Oh, let's talk about that. Okay.
1: <laughs> Before we leave y'all, um, so Q Talk Radio is a website that has... Um, queer media on it. It has podcasts. We will be on there. So it's kind of like our own little um, portion of that website. We have our own page. You can go visit us and listen to our podcast on there or on iTunes or on SoundCloud. It's up to you, but you should pay them a visit. They are, they're like a part of the San Gabriel Valley LGBTQ center, which we are board members for. Shout out to them. Yeah. (laughs) So if you live in California, in Southern California, you might know what we're talking about.
0: I mean, honestly, people that live in LA don't even know what the San Gabriel Valley is. That's true. If you live in the San Gabriel Valley, oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't know what we're talking about. There are queer resources for you, and we bring them to you. <laughs> I like how I'm, like, people in LA. Because, yeah, people in LA are totally listening to this right now.
1: They might. I don't know. You don't know their lives. Yeah,
0: I guess not. <laughs> like, we got a couple likes on SoundCloud. I don't know where those people live. Yay. Um. So now we'll finally leave. <laughs> Thanks for listening, you guys. And remember that the queers are watching. Bye! Bye.